Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the mythological Matt. Hello there. Hi, and so uh, today we are discussing Classic Who. Mm. Bit of a treat episode for me. As is, me. <laughs> as is traditional, at the end of uh, uh, wrapping up a, a series of New Who, we go back and do a uh, classic story, um, different Doctor each time. We've wrapped up Series 3, so it's on to the third Doctor, John Pertwee. First Doctor in colour. First Doctor in colour, yes indeed. Uh, we we, we uh, selected the final story of his second season, so we're in, we're in sort of prime John Pertwee territory here. Now... I'm not going to lie, John Pertwee is quite possibly my favourite classic Doctor. Why? Okay, um, there is uh, a lot of reasons. For one, I, I like the unit setting. I like that he's, you know, even though it is atypical of Doctor Who, maybe because it's atypical of Doctor Who in that, that he's exiled on Earth, um, he's working as a scientific advisor for UNIT. It has a very particular, different flavour to it than most other uh, Doctor Who. Um, but also, it's still very Doctor Who-y in most of the key ways. Can I explain why I didn't like him? Yeah, go Two for it. Two key reasons. Yeah. Number one, when the theme tune plays at the beginning yeah. and there's just a weird photo of his face. Oh, yeah. Didn't like that. Didn't like that. Number okay. two, when... We were talking about series two. Yes. And David Tennant's portrayal. Yeah. And you criticised the fact that he was a know-it-all. <laughs> Pertwee's worse. Oh, yeah. No, he like, definitely I is. like the idea that anytime anyone suggests something, he just rejects it. Uh-huh. So it's like, oh, we've got to go to town. Should we go in the car? Don't be silly. <laughs> Why would we ever do that? And then they just end up walking, which is worse. <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a definitely an arrogance to uh, the third Doctor like, that isn't present it, in uh, in the second Doctor. All all the classic Who's yeah are dislikable in different ways, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's almost as though that, the idea wasn't necessary to make the Doctor a likable protagonist. Yeah, like, he, he in many ways. I mean, let's not forget the original conception of the show. The Doctor wasn't the protagonist at all. Yes, he was the title character, mm. but he's more the facilitator of the story. Um, and I think we are seeing... You get glimpses even in Modern Who where, where the Doctor is not necessarily making the decisions we'd want him to make as, mm. a, as a generic hero. It's it's he's a complicated figure if you want to view him through the heroic prism i think so every time we've done a classic episode yeah. we've changed our rating scale yes so in one word on the count of 3 yeah. how would you describe this episode okay 1 2 3 Delightful. uneventful <laughs> oh come on right uh, i was going to save this till we get there this is a five-part story. It is, yes. The fourth part, the fourth episode, yeah. literally nothing happens. Quite literally, <laughs> nothing happens. Oh, when, when I've made yeah. my notes, I, I've done one page per yeah. episode, um, and if I turn to page four... I'm pretty sure it's the fourth episode that has you, my favourite scene in the whole story. You can see, in big purple letters, yeah. I've written... Literally nothing happened in this episode. 
Oh, come on. Is it not the fourth episode where he gets uh, captured in the... Um... Yeah, but he just breaks free. Everything that happens okay. is okay. resolved okay. in, like, right. 30 second oh. bursts. Oh, all right. Okay. We'll get, we'll get there. Look. I, I, if look. you watch this, <laughs> you could totally omit the fourth episode and it wouldn't matter. <sighs> but they had five episodes to fill. What do you want from them? Shorten the series. <laughs> <laughs> do okay. what they used to do on TV where... They just had space, so they just put some cartoons on. <laughs> Look, whatever happened to that? The half hour of cartoons that would just randomly be on where programmes were cut short. Yeah, that, I, I do miss those days, I must yeah. say. But, um, okay, I'm, re- I'm, I'm genuinely... I'm genuinely upset that you didn't enjoy The Demons, because I, I'm, I'm I not racked sa- my brain. I'm not saying I didn't okay. enjoy it. Yeah. It was... Possibly my most passive television experience I've ever had. Mm. I I could have left the room for a quarter of an hour, come back in, and known exactly what was happening because this goes at a snail's pace. Yeah, it, like, I mean the pacing it, is different. To if you watched TV. the opening scene and the closing scene for each five parts, you would have a coherent story. <laughs> you just cut out all the people in a pub talking. It's, it's that dialogue, it's that atmosphere, that's what makes it such a rich and interesting... In fact, that's why I said delightful. And this, I was going to save just, this, but I'll tell yeah. you the one thing I really hated about right. this episode. Okay, go I on. didn't necessarily hate the episode. Whenever it's outside, yeah. you can't hear anyone because it's so windy. <laughs> There's a bit there where a, I think the doctor's yeah. on the phone to yeah. Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart. Yeah. And... He's the the brigadier's yeah. inside, and yeah. you can hear him totally fine. But the doctor, all you can hear is yeah. like a high pitched whistle. Yes. Yeah, that was an intentional thing. That was to 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 represent the the the, uh, the heat dome. I think that's the sound of that. Um, I think that's a convenient excuse, um, <laughs> like not using proper microphones. All right. Well, look. Shall I tell you my thinking behind selecting the demons go on. before we go into the episodes themselves? I genuinely thought you'd really like it because your favourite episodes of New Who so far have been Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, which is the Doctor squaring off against the big uh, devil character. Mm-hmm. We get that here. And Blink, which involves a, you know, murderous statues. Mm-hmm. And in this we get Bok. Perhaps is that his a... name? Bok? Yeah. The Gargoyle. Is he worse than when we watched... The first Doctor, and we watched The Rescue, yeah. and the villain was a man in a sleeping bag. Is Bok worse than man in a sleeping bag? It depends what you, how you I think Bok might be the worse. worst thing we've seen in in this project. Now, Azal is worse than Bok. I love Bok. Is, is Bok worse than that random scribble thing from Fear Her? <laughs> Well, or, or that not, light bulb in a cupboard from I can't fear. Enga- I can't engage with this premise because I unambiguously love Bok. Bok's brilliant. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> okay, let's just get into it, shall we? Right. We've got a lot so, to get So, this to. is from the 22nd of May to the 19th of June, 1971. Yeah. What were oh, you doing at the time? I um, was about 15 years away from being born. Okay. So, you know, not a lot. <laughs> uh, right. So it starts with an old English church in the middle of a thunderstorm, mm-hmm. and there's a man leaves the pub and his dog runs away. Yeah, and He's walking through a graveyard. Yeah, and 
He just dies of fright. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting opener, isn't it? Yeah. Tease. But, why is that? <laughs> right, then we're, <laughs> then we're introduced to Harry and Alistair. Yes. Um, they're really hammed up in the first episode. I thought they'd be important. They're not. No. Uh, and they're on an archaeological dig. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's, uh, it's it's not just any archaeological dig. It's being broadcast on BBC Three. Yeah. Which is exciting, because obviously uh, this is, uh, again, lends credence to the thing of the unit stories being set in the sort of... It's not actually set in 1971. It's set, mm-hmm. you know, in some ineffable... Or, you know, just a few years from uh, in the future, basically, back when BBC Three was impossible. Yeah. Of course, we're now in the situation where BBC Three basically doesn't exist again because yeah. it's no longer, it's it's online. Maybe early. it's set now. Yeah. Where BBC Three is just a distant dream. Maybe. And then we've sort of discussed Pertwee's Doctor. Yeah. But talk to me about Joe. His okay. companion. Joe Grant, so um, she's in, in, interesting in that um, basically when the Doctor is exiled on Earth and becomes a scientific advisor for user, unit, he basically gets a personal assistant. Joe is his second assistant that he's had. Um, the first was Liz Shaw, um, who was a, more of a prickly character. She kind of didn't suffer fools. And so that's actually a really interesting dynamic that she has with the third Doctor. Joe is a little more just kind of like, she's eager, but maybe not always particularly quick on the uptake with things. And uh, I love yeah. the fact anytime she has an idea, the men around her just tell her to shut up. Yeah, yeah. And there's one point where she... I think she comes out to celebrate the fact they'd won at the end. Yeah. And the doctor just goes, what are you wearing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's, she's absolutely like just, robes. just yeah. belittles her appearance. Yeah. He's yeah. like, we are not going out past you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, um, you're not seeing Joe at her best in this story. I will say that's one of the things. It, it, it's, it's so hard for me picking classic stories because I kind of want to encapsulate everything I love about a particular era in one story and that is so so hard to do um so I nearly I almost wanted to, to kind of persuade you to watch The Green Death which is Joe's final story that which I think has a beautiful art but to it uh, and, and does a lot of stuff for Joe and there's there's a, other stories I can think of as well that, that, that do flesh out Joe better than this story she is very much just kind of I mean she's literally there to as a sort of token princess to be saved at one, at one point towards the end and stuff. But it's um, it's complicated, um, I think. To 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 examine what Joe is in relation to Liz Shaw, the, the previous companion, it's almost like an overcompensation in some ways in that they, they had this very strident feminist character who butted heads with the Doctor all the time and they thought, well, we've done that now. Let's go in the opposite direction, and they ended up with quite a passive thing, which which kind of does feed into the kind of patriarchal overtones of the era, which is a bit of a shame, maybe. But um, for what it's worth, I still really like Joe as a character. Right. So the Doctor and Joe are mending a car. They are. Yes, not just any car. Bessie, yes, who is the Doctor's car? No, because of course he is Tardisless, effectively at the moment. The, the Time Lords have hobbled his TARDIS, so he obviously goes to the next best thing, which is a 
a sort of primrose yellow vintage for, roadster. I think for people of a certain age, it's just brum. A car brum. Basically, yes. It's an oversized brum. Right. And it its license plate yes. is who won. Yeah. Now, people go mental if you refer to the doctor as Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here? Um, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> Doctor Who fandom, he doesn't know what it wants, does it? <laughs> and then one more question about the car. Yes. Is it sentient? No. Every, every time he does something with it, and everyone goes, wow, is your car alive? Yeah. And he goes, no, it's remote control. Yeah. But then he sort of like acts as if it is sent out. <laughs> I was none the wiser at the end of this, whether his car was just... No, the whole point is... I thought it was genuinely... like K9, it was just a little car. No, it's, no, it's genuinely it is it is remote control. It doesn't normally do that. That was a device that that they set up early in that story because the whole one of the themes of this story is science versus magic, and you know applying magical thinking to things that can be explained through scientific. Well, that's it. Joe asks whether magic yeah. exists at yeah. this point, but it turns out it doesn't. Yeah, and he he he, you know, the doctor has a bit of fun with her, kind of like, oh, magical car, but then. Says no, don't be daft, woman. It's, yeah. it's just remote control. Yeah, and then we meet Captain Mike Yates. Ah, uh, good old Mike Yates, one of the cla- one of the uh, regulars of the unit crew. Right, bit boring, isn't he? He is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot to say about Mike yeah. Yates right now. He's so boring. He's really keen on watching this paleontology program. Yeah, on a place called Devil's End. Yeah, which is a cavern under the church where witches hung out. Mm-hmm. And it's being led by a man called Professor Horner. Yeah. To be clear, the barrow that is being activated is called the Devil's Hump. Devil's End is the name of the village right. in which it is located. So, yeah. Could they not have, like, a local county council meeting and change the name? Why would they need to change it? Would you want to live in Devil's End? I genuinely would. That sounds brilliant. If I changed it to Nice Town, would you rather live there? No, that sounds boring. Sounds nice, though, doesn't it? <laughs> right. So, we find out that today is April the 30th. It's Beltane, yeah. a pagan holiday. Can we talk about how much of a grumpy fuck Professor Horner is as well? See, I don't know. I found him as, like, almost like an extrovert, schizophrenic, obsessive. Yeah, he's just... He's just he has no patience for all of the sort of TV nonsense. Like, and like the, the, the TV presenter is like, they're doing a live broadcast. is like asking him questions about what he's doing. He's like, like, oh, don't you, don't you know? It's like, for the viewers, Professor Horner, he's just no interest in that whatsoever. He's so fixated on his work. Now, yeah. the reason we know it's Beltane, yeah. Pagan Holiday, is because we meet your favourite character, uh, Miss Hawthorne, who yeah. is a witch... Yeah, I I love Miss Hawthorne as I, a character. I hated her. Really? I, I I know people who are like that. Yeah, and that's why uh, I like it. She, she, I think it's a really well-observed character. The only people that it's acceptable for them to claim to be like witches mm-hmm. and wizards is Alan Moore yeah. and Rob, the IT man from my work. <laughs> Do you not like? I, I... They're the only people I've <laughs> ever come across that can talk about this sort of stuff where I don't want to punch them in the face. That's fair enough. I mean, I don't think it's. 
to be clear, I wouldn't want to be friends with Miss Hawthorne, but I think she's a well-written and interesting character, and I think she's a good addition to this story. Um, because she is this kind of archetype of the sort of batty old lady that has read far too many weird books and has decided that she is a practising witch. Has she been kicked in the head by a horse at some point, <laughs> do you think? She's not possible. It's possible. Right. And she says the Prince of Evil is coming. Yeah, she's sort of prophesizing doom around uh, this, this Barrow dig. Could just be Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, it's probably not because the early days for Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, uh, I mean, Sabbath will have been going, but like, I don't think a character like Miss Hawthorne would be aware of Would have been a work. far better improvement on this episode if it was just like, the Prince of Darkness <laughs> is coming! You know, kicking a bit of war pigs. Yeah. But no, unfortunately. So we cut then to the aforementioned pub. Yes. That I've just described as a pub filled with gammon men. Oh, it so is. It, it is a full-on gammon party. Yeah, this was gammon before the term gammon mm-hmm. was thrown about. And they, like, this is how they just stretch it to five episodes. They just have men <laughs> in a pub discussing what's happening. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like Only Fools and Horses where the yeah. pub's, like, a key setting. It's just like, people have talked about this dig, and then they're just like, did you know there's a dig? <laughs> it's being led by Professor Horner. Like, they're, they're, they're driving the plot along a little bit. They're just saying what's happening. <laughs> right. And then the Doctor drives about for a bit. Yeah. And as he's driving towards Devil's End, like the yeah. wind blows the sign. But yeah. is it the wind or is it a devil? Yeah, who knows? It's the wind. <laughs> um, and then an old vicar man halts Miss Hawthorne. Yes. Mr. Uh, Magister. Well, there's like an odd vicar man mm-hmm. who stops her. And then an even odder vicar. Oh yeah, so there's oh yeah, there's the guy. There's I think he's the verger, maybe rather than right. the vicar, and who is kind of like being really cagey and not letting Miss Hawthorne into the church. Um, and she wants to originally she wants to speak to like the normal vicar, and he's like, oh no, he's he's away at the moment. It's Mister Magister you need to speak to, but I'm not going to let you speak to him basically. Mm. And then yeah. when Mister Magister appears, mm-hmm. he tries to hypnotize her. Yes. But he can't. Yeah. Because she doesn't have a brain. Or her her mental faculties are too powerful to be overcome by his hypnotic Do you genuinely believe that? (laughs) (laughs) Then, back at the dig, Alistair just shouts at Harry for a bit. That's their plot thread. Yeah, pretty much. They're just shouting at each other. And... Tensions are running high. Yeah, but why? Nothing's... Literally nothing's gone wrong. There's something in the air. Right. (laughs) So, the Doctor goes to the pub... To ask for directions, mm-hmm. and they won't tell him until Joe asks for some reason. Yeah, I think just because he's he's got this off-putting, arrogant nature, he's all blustering. I demand to see the, the, the dig, and and this is one of the things I think is interesting about Joe as a character. It's a good example of it. Is that she she's one of those characters that kind of she knows she's living in a patriarchal society. So she just quietly plays the game. Like, I don't get the feeling quite often. She'll play the sweet, innocent um, girl card, but you know she doesn't actually think of herself that way. She just knows that it's the, the only way she's going to get results. what she wants. Um, and I think the more you watch of Joe's stories, the more you realise that's kind of how she operates. So after he leaves, uh, the old vicar appears in the yeah. pub to ask about the doctor. And then... 
I've just put in my notes. And he goes to some sort of satanic ritual. Yeah, as you do when you're when you're a local vicar. So, and I think does he not refer to himself as the master in that scene? Well, he, he does. does, but he says, "I am the master of." Ah, something. So, so there's a hint. So had the penny dropped yet? Because I, 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 I told you a lot of things in, in leading up to this story. I told you about the Doctor being exiled unit. I set up the, the sort of the characters of uh, Joe and uh, Brigadier and stuff like that a little bit for you. Not too much, but just give you a little bit of background. What I did not mention was that this is a master story. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was exactly at this point, but... Yeah. Shortly after I sort of worked out, yeah. this is where we're going, and that's why you chose yeah. these episodes. So the Doctor runs to the dig just as Professor Horner starts digging. Mm-hmm. As Horner removes a stone, this is word for word, I'll read you my notes. Shit goes south. Joe screams because the Doctor is dead. <laughs> yeah. That's the end of episode Cliffhanger. one. Cliffhanger. <laughs> right. I love cliffhangers where the Doctor is dead. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, <laughs> evidently he will not be dead. Right. So um, that, that's the end of episode one. Yeah. And we can establish in this episode something happened. Yeah. Okay. Let's just see if we, all the others hold up to that. <laughs> all right. Episode two. Mike's watching the dig on TV. Yeah. And... It's at this point that the vicar refers to himself as the master. Yeah. And he's summoning a demon called Azal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my notes, I've just put the doctor's proper dead, and so is Professor Horner. Yeah. Next slide. Like frozen solid. Next slide. Oh, maybe he's just cold. <laughs> Get some hot water bottles. <laughs> yeah. That's a great, great... Um, I love that this local GP as well, it's like... Um, oh, this man is, is you're frozen solid. He's clearly yeah. dead. And he's like, oh, no, I think I can take, take the pulse. Yeah. Just, get, just, go get the hotty bodies. <laughs> yeah, just get some blankets. It's like, would you not... That is the point at which you would be dialing for an ambulance, surely. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Yeah. He's either dead... He doesn't do that. Or he's not. Yeah. They need to make the man talk. Yeah. Right. Um... So at this point, someone cuts the phone line between Mike and Joe. Yeah. And I don't know if it's shown at this point, but it's basically one of the townsfolks, just like the master's little crony. Yeah. So I can't remember if you actually see him at this point, and I didn't recognise who he is, but that's who he is. Yeah. He's got got a few of... He's basically recruited a lot of the local gammons to be his his henchmen. Now, probably my favourite part of this episode is when everything goes wrong... And the police want to stop people entering the barrow. They put up a sign on a gate. <laughs> You're laughing yeah. already, yeah? Because they hammer it with a rock. Yeah. Like use what's but they make a big like point of picking the rock up as if it's yeah. going to be important. Yeah. But just use a hammer. <laughs> he didn't have a hammer. He had a rock. Yeah, but there. No. Let's move on. Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> right. So the next day, there's a weird tremor. Yeah. And a helicopter sees giant hoof prints. I think Mike's yes. in the helicopter. Yeah, Mike, Mike and Sergeant Benton are the right. two who, who are, to be honest, as much as UNIT is like this large UN-based country-spanning organisation, most of the time... The only people who actually do anything are Captain Mike Yates, Sergeant Benton, and uh, the Brigadier will occasionally show up to roll his eyes and say something pithy. Right. 
when when they're in the helicopter, yeah, the footprints are massive. Mm-hmm. When they land on the floor to investigate, they're not. Yeah, I th- I I don't know how they did that effect. Whether it was like painted over poorly. on the poorly um, is how yeah. they did it. <laughs> okay, incorrectly. Yeah. So after that, Mike goes to the pub to meet Joe. Yes, and. This is the first time I'm introduced to Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. Now, I, in conversation with you, yeah, I, I built up an image of him in my head. Yes, you know, as this leader, almost like a flawless, mm-hmm. respectable military man. Yes. Whilst all this is going on, he's just in bed. <laughs> yes. I love. I They've love been trying your... to contact him, and he just yeah. wakes up. Yeah, I love that your introduction to the brigadier is him in his pajamas, in a slightly irritable mood. Like, I just <laughs> don't get it. So, well, fo- oh come on, does that not humanise him? Does that not make him an int- more interesting character than if? Because at the end of the day, he is the he is the leader of this this um, unit division. He's not going to be up twenty four seven. He's going to delegate. And he doesn't expect shit to be going down at like 3am on a Tuesday evening. Plus Tuesday night. He's in bed in Devil's End. Yeah. Is that where he lives? No, no, he's not in, in bed in Devil's End. He's, he's in bed over in London. Right. And so like one, after he has that, that call to, uh, to Yates, he's, he sort of makes another call and says, go and get my car. Uh, etc. Right. etc. So uh, I might yeah. miss that. So yeah, no, no units based in London, so they're, they're all coming over to Devil's End to. And they're not in Cardiff yet. No, right. no, this is pre-Cardiff. Yeah, the rift hasn't been discovered. No. Right. So we then have Miss Hawthorne mm-hmm. following her interaction with the master. She got trapped in a box. Oh yes, yeah. And then Mike's army mate. Just goes and saves her. Yeah, Sergeant Benton to the rescue. And I love, I don't know if you picked up on this, but like, Miss Hawthorne basically gloms onto Benton for the remainder of the story. Right. She kind of like, like, he he's her little sort of knight in shining armour, basically. And so the, re- the rest of the, uh, the, uh, the story, he's basically lumped with, with sort of looking Just after putting up with, her. <laughs> with Miss Hawthorne. So, they hide in the basement where the vicar did his ritual. Yes. Then, the younger vicar just appears with a shotgun. Yeah. And the... Uh, I wish I wrote his name as Sergeant Ben, and I just keep calling him Army Man. <laughs> yeah. Or Mike's mate. Yeah. He goes mad and stands on a summoning stone. There's a big blast outside the church. Yeah. And a random van just blows up. Yeah, I, can, I, can I say because yeah, so you got this whole sort of tussle between Benton and, and the bloke with the shotgun, and and then you know exploding cars. You've got to admit, the Pertwee era, there is a there is at least you may not think it's well executed, but they are attempting to make Doctor Who a bit more action packed. What what would you have done if the scene just ended with the shotgun going off and just blasting someone's head against the wall? I mean, if it was Sergeant Benton's, I would have been very sad indeed. He's one of my favourite characters of the uh, unit era. What happens to him long term? Just keeps working at unit. Right. <laughs> he doesn't have much of a character <laughs> arc. I just like him. Right. So, like, he's, just, he's just an affable presence. Right. So he's, <laughs> he's just there. He's just there. And I like that he's there. I'd be sad if he wasn't there. What happens to Mike? Oh, no, that is a spoiler. 
Right, okay. Do I, want, I don't, I don't, uh, tell I don't need to know that, then. Yeah. Right, we'll just stick with Benton. Yeah. <laughs> is he ever mentioned, like, later? Because obviously we've got, like, allusions to Unit in New Who. I don't know whether... I don't know whether... Any of the other unit characters other than the Brigadier ever gets a direct mention in You Who. Right. Which is a shame. It's a shame, isn't it? But Right. But having said that, there is someone that <clears throat> No, I'm put a pin in that. So the doctor's awake again and he meets Miss Hawthorne. Yep. And the vicar is mad that someone Well someone keeps giving him information. And the Doctor realises that the Vicar's going by the name as of oh, Magister. Magister, yes. Okay, which he says is Latin for Master. And was this the point at which he realised, oh, yeah, this is a Master story? Yeah, then. yeah. That, that's, if I hadn't worked it out by now, yeah. it's where it, I knew where it was going. Yeah. So Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart approaches the broken down van, mm-hmm. and his cane just set on fire. Now, yeah. before this was explained, I was just like, what is it? <laughs> That's what they want you to think. That's good writing. So, Mike radios the Brigadier yeah. and says, oh no, it's the Master. So, will Unit have encountered the Master yeah. before? Yeah, so, a bit of context. This is the final story of Season 8. Mm-hmm. A decision was made in, at the, um, after se- Season 7, Pertwee's first season, that they would give the Doctor an arch-nemesis character. Right. So they created the Master. He's first introduced in the first story of uh, Season 8 and then continues to be the main antagonist for literally every single story all the way through. And like sometimes you'll get an episode or two Is it the same actor? Yes. Right. So when... um, when, Roger Delgado. So when the Doctor comes face to face with him, he would have recognised him. Not like he did with Professor Yana. No, no. They they, they definitely knew each other. So, so yeah, so Roger Delgado is the original master, the first one we're seeing on screen. Not the first to inhabit that body. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Sorry, uh, not the first incarnation of the master, but the first incarnation that we see on screen. Um, And for many remains the definitive master. Like, all others pale to some degree in comparison. Do you like him best? It's a tie for me between Delgado and, and another actor's portrayal. Right. So. so, following that, Joe and the Doctor enter the tunnel in, in the Hallows, mm-hmm. and they come face to face with the worst monster costume ever. Oh, is that when we find. Uh, oh, is uh, that's Bok, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you see, when you said that, I was thinking, Azal doesn't turn out here. I really hate the design on Azal. I hate that mask, because it just, I, it's so restricted. But the thing is, he's, performance. for most of his performance, yeah. he's stood stationary. Yeah. The way Bok moves, it's like a chimp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a naughty little fella, isn't he? Right, Bok. So that's the end of episode Yeah, so, so it's like his eyes glow red, don't they? Like the, the stone head, like, turns. So that's the end of episode two. Yeah. Does much happen? Yes. The Doctor is revived. Um, he, uh, um, We established that there is some kind of barrier that's keeping the Brigadier from entering Devil's End. Um, we get some shenanigans. And Bok uh, uh, is sort of brought you to life. You can put that down to a, a tight ten minutes. 
I mean, yeah, you probably could if you wanted to. There was actually a film-length edit of this story. Awful. But obviously, I didn't want to... I'll th- I tell you what, yeah. as well. 25 minutes an episode. Yeah. The first five minutes of every episode is the last five minutes of the previous yes. one. So, I mean, there's one episode you can get rid of. You can skip through those. You, you couldn't on the version you sent me. I watched every one of them. You can, though. I mean, I was watching it on my phone, and I could tap through... No? Not me. I want to soak in all the classic Who goodness. <laughs> right, episode three. Yeah. There's a model spaceship. It's really heavy, because it's not a model. It's a real spaceship that's uh-huh. shrunk down. Yeah. But that aspect never really gets explained in much depth. Well, they, they also mention that can be Azal really can, big yeah. and really small. But it's just technology that the demons Just what have. it does. Yeah. Uh, so the Gargoyle monster, mm-hmm. which is... Bok. Yeah. I didn't know his name at the time. I think it's only referenced like once in the entire five episodes. So he tries to attack the Doctor, but the de- Doctor exercises him. Yes. Just like... Uh, he, he uses a lump of iron, I think. Yeah. And he produces it from his pocket. Um, and the Gargoyle, for whatever reason, is superstitious enough to believe. That... So rather than see it killed, yeah. the Master recalled Bok. Yeah. And then he hypnotises the townsfolk. And makes it windy indoors. Yeah, something like that. Oh yes, yeah, because he's he, he uses it as a demonstration of his power, doesn't he? It's just nonsense. Yeah. Does he have that power? No, because he's t- he's drawing on uh, he's drawing on the energy uh, of the of the townsfolk, and it's it's explained in the last episode. So Miss Hawthorne says that this is the occult. The Doctor says it's science. Yep. And Brigadier then calls and says there's a heat field, 10 mile diameter, one mile high, around the church. And the Doctor just explains that the monsters are daemons from Deimos. Yes. Which was referenced in The Impossible Planet and the Saint Pit. Really? Yes. When the Doctor is kind of rattling off how this sort of same imagery, and it's almost a similar speech, um, mm. that this, you know, the imagery of the horned beast features all over different planets and different, and, you know, he, and he mentions Deimos by name in that. Quick question. Yeah. Why is it always aliens? Because <laughs> it's Doctor Who! Literally a demon. Yeah. And then they're just like, nah, alien. It's aliens. Of course it's aliens. Were you genuinely expecting it to be a demon? Yeah. The whole, the whole thing's built on this, like, pagan mythology. Yeah, but it's Doctor Who. Is there an episode of Doctor Who where we find out Jesus Christ was an alien? <laughs> I don't think they that, do that. That's where we're going with this. <laughs> Maybe. That, that could be how Doctor Who ends, <laughs> with an image of the Prophet Muhammad mm. as an alien. Though, it, 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 you say that, uh, there, there, there is that reference in this story, I believe, uh, where, where the third Doctor is, uh, says that he got the last room at the inn. Yeah. Uh, so, you so, know, yeah, we, casual reference it. to... He's uh, probably gone to check on this, like, alien baby. <laughs> right. All the hot and cold goings on, it gets cold, then it gets hot. Yeah. It's because the demon's changing size and the energy has to go somewhere. Yeah. So the Brigadier says he's going to blast his way in. And this is one of the moments where the doctor's like, no, I've got a better idea. Uh-huh. Doesn't suggest one at this time, though. Just says, He's going to get round to it. Give him a chance. All right. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, 
You need results. People's lives are at stake. <laughs> he, he, will, he will divulge in his own sweet time. Classic moment here where yeah. Joe agrees with the Doctor that the Brigadier's idea is a bad one. <laughs> then the Doctor just shouts at her, says, have some respect. He's a Brigadier. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. What is happening there? He's, he's a bit of a wanker. <laughs> like, she just goes, yeah, nice one, Doc. And he's like, shut your face. <laughs> Moving on. I'm not a fan of him. Right, the Master holds a meeting with all the townsfolk. Bok arrives mm-hmm. and just makes a man vanish. Yeah. And the man from the pub that's been serving the Master fights Mike and steals the helicopter. Yeah. Any reason why... It- that doesn't really go anywhere. It's yeah, it does. We have a whole chase sequence. Yeah, just for the helicopter, and then, like, what was it? What was his end game? When he, he got... was trying to, he was trying to drive Joe and uh, the Doctor into the heat barrier and kill them. But it was never going to happen. Like, yes, they were on a road that yeah. goes directly <laughs> towards the heat barrier. Yeah. Why didn't they just stop? It wasn't Airwolf. It wasn't an armed helicopter. Like it, it, it was swooping at them, though. There was there was considerable swooping taking place. They were in no danger. <laughs> Absolutely no danger. Yeah. Right. All right then. So he flies over. Yeah. Doctor and Joe. Yeah. Mike appears on a motorbike, shooting a pistol at the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. And the doctor does a handbrake turn and just forces Joe out yeah, the car. Yeah. Flings her out. Yeah. He does tell her to hold on tight first. Yeah. I think he would have been better off actually installing some seatbelts. I'm amazed. Seat. After, she, after she fell out, why yeah. didn't the doctor just walk up to her and like, what are you doing, you idiot? And like, spit <laughs> on her. So the helicopter hits the heat barrier. Joe's knocked out. And then this bit, it's so windy you can't comprehend what's been said. And the master summons the monster again. Yeah. End of episode three. Yeah, and we don't... Do we see... Is that the cliffhanger where we actually see Azal's face for the first time? Or do we just see him from behind? Possibly. I think we maybe just see him from behind. I can't but they, they really, they, they tease us with Azal. Right. What happens in episode three? We've just summarised it. What happens? Yeah. Um, well, like a helicopter chase. Needless helicopter bit. chase. There was, um, the, the brigadier's actually arrived. He's by, oh no, he was there at the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they've got a plan though. They know how big the heat shield is. And they know that the Doctor's got a plan to sort it out, but they don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Pointless episode. Okay, moving on. Right. This is this is the most pointless episode. Okay. Right. It begins, episode four, with the worst earthquake effect ever. Yeah. It's just everyone like going, whoa, and running in circles. Uh, Joe decides she must get to the cavern yeah. and climbs out of the window of the house because she's been knocked out. Yes, she's recovering yeah, in yeah. the house. And the Doctor tells one of the army men to reverse the polarity. We've yeah, had that conversation in the past. We have, yeah. And the Doctor's plan is to reverse the national grid into the heat barrier. Yeah. And I'd overload it, effectively. I think. You, you can tell he's talking to the science officer. Yes. Because he's wearing glasses. All's good. As all good science nerds do. Yeah. And back with the Master, he's speaking to Azal. And the demon tells the master that the doctor's still alive. Mm-hmm. So, is that from episode one? Where yes, the yes. Shot... The, the master had been informed that the doctor had died and thought he was sitting pretty 
and now he's learning the information that the Doctor is actually still alive. Right. And he's like, curses! And then there's another massive heat blast mm-hmm. as the demon leaves. Mike goes after Joe and like just I think it insinuates he's breaking into the church, but he just walks through the door. Yeah, pretty much. And Joe falls from a bush. <laughs> yeah. She's just in a Well bush. she's not yeah, because she's not as stealthy as, as Mike. She doesn't know how to just walk into a door undetected. Well that, that's a good yeah. That's in keeping with the themes of these episodes, because yeah. Joe enters the church and Mike just calls her an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a really weird scene mm-hmm. where the Doctor's riding a motorbike and just seemingly goes on forever. <laughs> He's just riding it and riding it and riding it. <laughs> okay. Till someone shoots the tyre out and he just uh, goes yeah. flying. A little bit of, um, a little bit of uh, context for you, sort of making of stuff. John Pertwee loved his vehicles. Loved his vehicles. And one of the ways that they kept him happy was by giving him chances to do scenes where he's driving all kinds of different stuff. In his final story, um, Planet of the Spiders, there is... It's a six-part story. There is an entire episode that is basically a one long chase sequence where he's in a microlight, he's in a hovercraft, he's in a car, he's God. in a different car, and, and it is amazing. It's 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 awful and it's so tedious, it's so badly shot, but also it is amazing because he's just having the time of his life. Um so anyway, so yeah, this is just basically I think they were just like, hey what um John, do you want do you want a scene where you go on a motorbike? And you get to do a stunt by like sort of falling off it a bit. So, the unit scientist man wrecks the power grid machine. It backfires. Yeah. He gets soot on his face. Yeah, and it's a, bit, it's a proper like wah, wah, wah moment. Yeah. And then Miss Hawthorne through the window. I think she's in the pub at this time. Yeah, she's like behind the bar, like helping herself to a gin. <laughs> Sees Morris dancers in the village. Oh, yes. And she's like, oh, how charming. And then the doctor, Day. the doctor gets involved, and I thought, at first, I couldn't tell if yeah. this was played for laughs, and then it quickly turns into he's just getting beaten up. Okay, yeah. So this is you said episode four, nothing happens. This is my favourite scene in the entire story. I love that because basically it, it is the doctor is getting captured. Through the medium of Morris dancing. Yeah. Does that not delight you? Oh, really? You have a heart of stone, my friend. I thought it was meant to be comedy. It is. It's, 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 yeah, it's tongue in cheek. It's, it's, it's simultaneously, this, this whole story is simultaneously kind of like, um, celebrating what you call like folk horror, traditions things like the Wicker Man and stuff like that. But obviously, it's 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 translating those things for what is essentially a kids' show. So it's having fun with those uh, with that style of storytelling, and so it's kind of playing. It's it's just so playful, basically, and it just. I stick by my original word. This is a delightful story, and that is a that scene where the doctor is 
just surrounded by uh, maypole dancers. And at first you think he's just kind of being crowded by them. And then they actually like with their little wooden sticks, like box him in, shuffle him over to a maypole and then tie him up at a maypole. <laughs> that is so creative and so delightful. So when they've tied him up, they're going to burn him. Yeah. Till he says he is the ancient wizard, Quee Quai Quad. I think that's um, Miss Hawthorne kind of feeds him that line. Yeah. To say, to get him out of it. Just rubbish, isn't it? Well, you say that, but they buy it. Yeah, because he says, oh, look, I'm going to burst that lamp post. And then his mate just shoots the lamp post. Yeah. Then he says, oh, I'll shoot the weathercock yeah. on the top of the yeah. church. Yeah, and his mate that. shoots that. And then they're like, let's. Uh, they, the, the one like ringleader guy doesn't quite buy it. So, so he runs him over with his yeah. remote controlled car. Yeah. Chekhov's remote controlled car. But it hits him at about <laughs> 0.1 mile an hour. <laughs> yeah. And it they they make it look like he's been crushed. <laughs> no, they don't. He's clearly just sort of inca- he, incapacitated. He's unconscious. Most. Yeah. He's not it like probably mandrel. did more damage to the car than it did to him. <laughs> probably. It's an antique. And then the master makes us outgrow big again. End of the yeah. episode. Nothing's yeah. literally nothing's occurred. Like nothing happens. The plot does not develop in this episode. Agree to disagree. Moving like, on. It's like oh we've got this machine. Doesn't work anyway. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Oh he's captured. No he's not. Don't worry about it. All right. Go on then. Last right. episode. Let's Thank go God. through episode this. five. Right. Joe tries to stop the master, but she's too late. Yeah. They've already got Mike. They tie him up. Mm-hmm. And the doctors reveal the truth to the townspeople. At this point in my notes, I was put, is this car really remote control? Yes. It works exceedingly well. I think yeah. it's like Knight Rider. It's, it's Time Lord science, isn't it? It's mm. far advanced from what you'd get in 1971. So the master still talking to Azal. He talks to him so long, Mike escapes. And the Doctor just tells Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart just to hurry up. He's like, <laughs> doing the best he can. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bok, the gargoyle monster, kills the main Morris dancer. Mm-hmm. And the Master's going to sacrifice Joe to Azal. Yes. And I think, does he not say something like, fetch the sacrificial tabard? Yeah. Amazing. It's, Amazing. It's poor. <laughs> Right, Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart can get through the heat shield now. Yeah. The machine that didn't work, that then worked, then didn't yeah. work, now uh, works. It, yeah, okay, so initially they, they, he was he was building it and it blew up, so it was going to take longer than expected. He got it working, but it wasn't working at a high enough capacity. Um, and Osgood, and the doctor's like, over the, uh, the walkie-talkie, he's like, you've got to use the booster um, Oscar's like, no, you can't use the booster. It'll blow us all sky high. And the brigadier, in a moment of cu- courage and etc. Um, etc. Et leadership, grabs the big lever that they conveniently marked booster, booster and yanks it, and they're through. Now, it might be like a trope of modern TV. Yeah, whenever you have. A tiny opening that everyone has to squeeze through. Yeah. It inevitably ends with that opening closing and like trapping someone. Yeah. But it just doesn't hear. Yeah. And they're like, oh, get the machine out. You should have got the machine first. Yeah. 
So, all right, you've got plenty of time. They're just walking <laughs> But through. you do that, but, but then it does immediately break again. Yeah. So, rubbish. Um, so, the Doctor finally comes face-to-face with Azal and the Master. Uh-huh. Uh, the Master tells Azal to kill, and Azal says that he commands. He doesn't obey. Yes. So, yeah. Bit of a power struggle between the Master and uh, Azal. Well, surely Azal's more powerful. If he was, if he was yeah. less powerful, the master wouldn't need it. But the thing is that Azal mentions that he is the last of the demons. Um, so basically, he does he doesn't not know about the, the one in the Impossible Planet. Different species. Are they? Yeah. Potato, potato. I'd say. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so he's the last of the demons, and basically, the the Earth, which obviously you know they're saying. I think that we've established at this point what the demons were doing with Earth, that they was like one of their many sort of experiment grounds, basically, where they would use humans as playthings. That's how they became uh, mythologised as gods and demons. Uh, and, yeah, so basically it's reached the point now where he's like, all right, I'm just going to chuck this whole thing in the bin unless... You can prove to me that it's worth me handing you my power to, to rule over these people. So the Doctor tells Azal to go away. Yeah. But Azal instead just says, oh, well, I'll give you my powers. He sees yes. the Doctor as more worthy than the Master. Well, basically, because he's like, you know, it's going to be one of these two because they're like, they are superior to mankind. They're, you know, both being Time Lords. So it's like, which of you is more worthy? So it's almost like this... It's a proper little debate they've got going on, like a morality debate. So the Doctor doesn't want the power. Yeah. So besmirched, Azal zaps yeah. the Doctor. Yeah. But somehow that just kills Azal. Do you not think John Purby was good in this scene, doing his sort of impassioned speech to Azal? I don't really like. Did John you not? Pertwee. Did you not see the Doctor in him at that moment, though? I that sort bit, of quintessential but... Doctorness. He he got everything that was coming to him. He deserved to get zapped. He's just, he's been so horrible to everyone. Yeah. Karma caught up with him. All right. Okay. Right. Uh, I'm feeling quite bruised at this point. Like I, I say. I realise. Azal. This has not been a pleasant <laughs> experience for me. Carry on. I, I think, just to go off on a tangent. Yeah. Of classic Doctors, I think Second's my favourite. Okay. But the second Doctor story we watched might be my least favourite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. Maybe. I don't know. I don't really know what I think about this episode. I don't like it and I don't dislike it. It's just nothing. It's not. All right. right. So, Azal somehow just blows up. Then the church blows up. Yeah. No casualties. <laughs> Everyone's have, in have, the church. I think have we gl- glossed over the thing that now that the Brigadier is outside um, with the, with his unit squaddies and they're facing off with Bok. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that scene features because they're like they can't seem to destroy him right um so early on they're just like oh what's you know what are we going to do with this gargoyle and the brigadier says to one of his sort of faceless unit uh chaps um uh so and so uh chap with the wings there five rounds rapid one of the most famous lines in classic doctor who really yeah people love that line because really? it, it's just it's quintessential brigadier. Can you get it on a t-shirt? 
like yeah. the thing out of Blink. You definitely could get Chap with the Wings there five rounds rapid. There's also a great album by a uh, by a band called Thumper Monkey called uh, Chap with the Wings Five Round Rapid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good album. Right. So the church blows up, and then this is the point in which the Doctor thanks Joe for saving him and just goes, "By the way, your clothes are shit." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that so. The master yeah. throws a cape over the army man and tries to escape. Yeah, a bit of running about. We haven't had that much. I mean, we had some driving about. We haven't yeah. had much running about in this story. Yeah. So I, just squeeze it I in at the end. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why is everyone wearing capes in these episodes? Well, it's <laughs> obvious why the master's wearing a cape. He was doing the whole Satanist thing. It was, you know, everyone was. <laughs> Everyone goes through a bit of a goth phase, right? This is the master's goth <laughs> phase. Right. Well, luckily for him, he gets away in yeah. the car. Except they catch him immediately. Because it's remote control. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and basically the episode ends with everyone having a little dance and the brigadier just goes for a pint. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? I, that's probably my favourite bit. It's a just lovely It's just like, should yeah. we dance, brigadier? And he yeah. goes, nah, let's go for a pint. Come on, you've got to admit, you enjoyed the Brigadier at that moment. He, he He's a great okay. character. He was okay. On the whole, uh, I don't know, this wasn't my favourite. Mm. Maybe. You see, the thing is, I'm kicking myself now. I really thought we had a good chance here to get you on board with Classic Who, with the, with the Third Doctor. And maybe I just chose poorly. Maybe this is all on me. It's it's not it's not a besmirchment of of John Pertwee or, or or Unit or anything about the Third Doctor's era. Maybe I just chose poorly. I think my favourite classic episodes we've watched still are the Rescue. Yeah, that was just the best. It's because it was short, though, isn't it? It's just because there wasn't as much. Yeah, and there was a man in a sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, next time we're talking Classic Who, it'll be the fourth Doctor. Who's the fourth Doctor? Tom Baker. The most famous, the most long-serving, the most iconic of the Classic Doctors. Right. So, no pressure on me to pick a good episode for him. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, luckily we've got a whole series of Doctor Who to watch before then. Well, we really lucky us, like one and a bit series, because um, I'm just basically squishing the uh, the specials in uh, right. to uh, at the end of series four, because basically after series four, they basically had a year off ish where they just did four specials. Right. Okay. So I'm just cramming it. So it's going to be a long one. Uh, uh, lucky us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I'm really going to have to wreck my brains over the next few weeks to uh, to find the right the right fourth Doctor story. I mean, actually, great opportunity, listeners. If uh, any any classic fans out there have got any suggestions for what which fourth Doctor story we should make Matt watch, uh, I you know greatly appreciated. Usual email address: timeorspacepod at gmail dot com. Uh, obviously, don't include spoilers for the story you're suggesting. Yeah. Because Matt will see them, uh, but yeah, that would actually be a really good uh, good opportunity to get in touch. Before we finish, yeah, we've watched three classic Doctors. We have. Can you rank them? Yes, I think just about maybe it's difficult. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm fresh off watching this yeah. third Doctor. 
So maybe need time to reflect on it. Yeah. I might go three, two, one, or I might go yeah. two, three, one. I'm sort of similar. Like I, I, I oscillate between. Full disclosure: I've not seen every classic story yet. I'm halfway through the Fifth Doctor's era. I've seen a bit of six and a bit of seven as well. Um, but of what I've seen, if I was to to, to rank them at the moment. Third and second would probably be my top two. Like uh, Tom um, Baker, fourth Doctor is the most iconic. I don't think he's my favourite. I maybe liked this Doctor best. Yeah, but I really like Jamie. Jamie is great. Yeah, ja- he's the best companion yeah. we've seen in classic. Sure, so that's fair. That's fair. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fight you on that. Apart from what was that girl with the radio called? Uh, Susan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and on that note thanks very much for listening everyone Um, I'm going to go and have a bit of a lie down maybe a bit of a cry right (laughs) and we'll join you next week to discuss uh, the voyage of the day yeah I can't wait till then cheerio bye now Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.